Robbins is going to share with us today how she not only beat cancer, but also overcame her fear of death. During her journey through this process, she was counseling others and going through chemo, and she was terrified, but nobody knew. You're going to enjoy listening to what Louise has to share with us today. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. With me today, I have a registered clinical counselor and author of the book, The Cancer Corundum. Louise Evans is going to share her journey with us today, and I know it will inspire each of you. Welcome, Louise. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for that lovely introduction, and thank you also for the opportunity to speak today. Oh, absolutely, and we're going to have a great time. So let's start by you sharing a bit about your cancer story from the initial diagnosis, and of course, I know that fear is usually wrapped around that, so share a little bit about that and how you fought that fear. All right, I remember at the time I was working, I tend to be a little bit of a workaholic, and I was working part-time as a counsellor and a hypnotherapist in private practice and part-time as a school counsellor. And it came to the Easter break. We're looking at 2014. And for about 10 years, I'd had a numbness down my right arm and my right leg. It didn't bother me too much. It came roughly once a month for maybe a day or two days. And the doctors had done tests and told me there was nothing, so it must be migraine. Anyway, in 2014, it lasted 12 days, and I was really worried. I went to my doctor, and I was stunned when she found a lump in my right breast. Mm. After that, things happened so quickly. She said I had to go for a mammogram immediately, an ultrasound, and a few days later, I was getting a core biopsy. So I remember waiting for the results and being absolutely terrified. And when I was told that it was cancer, stage three, grade three, that was even worse. It was worse for my family and for myself. And what happened then was I began to look at the ways in which I could deal with this fear by journaling. That was my first way. I decided that I've always liked to write. 
And the only way to deal with this extreme emotion for me was the journaling. Did you do that every day? Uh, Yes, I did, especially when they started treatment. And I found also that um, what happened was they suggested that I have chemotherapy, surgery and radiation. And at that time, that's it's very confusing to decide what you want to do. But my cancer was pretty advanced. So I decided that I would go ahead and follow the normal conventional treatment at that time. After the surgery, it was fine for a while. I was journaling. And then I'm also a hypnotherapist. And I decided when I was taking the chemo treatment, I became really depleted energy-wise at certain points in that treatment. And so what I did, I thought, well, I'm helping my clients with all these different techniques. Why don't I use them on myself? So I took hypnotic scripts, which are called inductions, written by doctors and other therapists, and I recorded them on my cell phone. And when I was at my weakest, I lay in bed and listened to those. And really, I was programming my brain giving myself hopeful messages of survival. And I think this is a really good technique for people because when we're ill, we don't always have the energy to go to a doctor, therapist, counsellor. We also don't always have the finances to do that. So this was a self-help tool, which I actually have given four chapters to in my book, where people can read the different inductions themselves and decide if that's applicable for them. In addition to that, I found that anxiety was a big thing. I was extremely anxious, especially before treatments, uh, Mm. treatments particularly, Mm. like lying, radiation, etc. And so with that anxiety, I was able to use these inductions again. And I think a big thing for people is the treatment disfigures your breast. It removed my hair. I was bald after the second Mm -hmm. cancer treatment. It's pretty bad. And so I wasn't used to seeing this bald head. And I used a technique that I give with clients called desensitization. I couldn't bear to look at myself in the mirror. So I took a little shaving mirror. And every night I would look at a little part of myself, my bald head, Hmm. (laughs) in the mirror. Great idea. (laughs) And believe it or not, eventually, I was able to desensitize myself and accept the fact that I was bald. What an interesting technique. I think that can be used in many areas of our lives, can it? I agree. I agree. And another technique that I find quite helpful is a technique in gestalt therapy, where you talk to body parts. So, for example, we suppress a lot of emotions. I was very afraid, very anxious. And what I did to help me, I had done this with clients. I got clients to talk to a body part and the body part then responded. They responded, but they became that body part. So, for example, I would talk to my breast and apologize and say, I think I might have been responsible for causing this cancer in part due to overwork. And then my breast would reply and say something like, don't worry, there are so many causes of cancer. Nobody really knows what causes it. It wasn't your fault, etc. And that technique also helped me a lot, Carol. I suppose that it maybe makes some people feel uncomfortable at first and then they would get used to it, correct? Yes. And I think if you do it in the comfort of your own home, it doesn't matter. You don't have an audience. That's the important thing there. So with my uh, hypnotherapy too, basically in the book, I have mentioned past life therapy. And what happened about 20 years back when I had just opened my practice, 
a woman with a phobia came in to see me. And she said to me, I want you to hypnotize me and cure me of this phobia. She was in her 50s for sure. Anyway, I hypnotized her and I asked her to go to the origin of the problem and told her that once she got there, she would be able to resolve the issue. So once I brought her out of hypnosis, I said to her what happened. And she told me, she said, I saw what caused it. So she said to me, you know, I'm cured now. And I was a little surprised. I thought one session curing someone, that's pretty unusual. Usually you need two or three. So she left my office and I've kept in touch with her. And this is 20 years later and she's still phobia free. So what I got from that was the power of believing in this kind of therapy. And now I, but there's a strong therapeutic value in the technique too. And I found that many, many people go into a state of bliss. It's a wonderful place to be. They're so happy and they don't want to be bothered by me asking questions while they're such in such a deep trance. So when they come out of trance, I ask them what went on. And, you know, the accounts, there are different accounts in the book of clients that have allowed me to give excerpts of their interlife. But all of them are really encouraging, peaceful, blissful, happy. And so I included this in the book because I thought for people, we have a great fear of death, regardless of our other beliefs. And I thought this might help to calm people's fears. So regarding your book, first of all, tell us how you came up with the name and also a little bit about your book. Is it your story or is it techniques or is it both? And how did you choose the title? Yes, well, the book is my story and it's also techniques. It's a combination of the two. And the way in which I chose the title, whenever you're given a diagnosis of cancer, the first thing people tell you, and you know this too probably, is just be positive, think positive. And that's really hard to do when you're faced with a diagnosis of a life-threatening disease. And so what I thought to myself was it would be really good if I could reframe the things that cancer has given me, rather than look at all the things that cancer had taken away. And so I began to try and look at cancer as a gift. And for me, the different things that I was given, the first thing, and I think people even right now with this COVID-19 going on, we're all being allowed to slow down. And there are positives to being able to slow down. First of all, you have time to reflect on the way you've been living your life. And then with me with the cancer, I also hoped to survive, even though I was very afraid. And so I looked to the future and I thought to myself, what will I do in the future? What's really important? What are the jobs that I want to do, the things? And for me, it was travel. It was um, learning healing touch. Uh, I thought it would be fun to learn stage hypnosis, just things like that. And then also, it gives you a time to savor the day. And I think we can all relate to this, Carol, at the moment. (laughs) We are in, in the moment of something that's unprecedented. And so with my cancer, too, I learned to savor the day. It showed me how important my family were. It showed me how important my friends were. And nature, just being out in nature, it was lovely to be able to go outside and walk and appreciate it. So I began to reprioritize. And I thought, once I get over this, I can balance my life if I get over this. So it teaches you gratitude. You begin to look at the things each day that you're really grateful for. For me, it increased my connection to God. And I also thought, well, it will improve the quality of my work. Because once you have 
experience suffering of any type, I think it enriches us all. I think we are all better people for it. So the title of the book, I thought, would be The Gift. However, my publisher, <laughs> uh, Mike Davies of Manor House, he thought, no way. <laughs> so he talked me out of that quickly. And we bandied around different titles for quite a while. And then he was the one that came up with the cancer conundrum. And I liked the alliteration. And then I thought, well, it is a true conundrum. Because in the beginning, I had to think, do I follow conventional therapy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, uh, or do I take alternative? And do I do complementary therapy with it, and what do I do? And then, of course, as you sit back and look at your life, you think to yourself, what will I do with the future if I have a future? So that's the way the title, the t- a Cancer Conundrum, came into it. Very interesting. I also appreciate it what the comment you made there about gratitude. And I think that most people that have gone through horrendous trauma in their life and they make it through, they survive it, they overcome it, have that attitude, the attitude of gratitude. And it's it's interesting how sometimes we we don't appreciate the things until they're almost taken away from us. And so you're you're in a good good company, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now what I wanted to ask you was If mindset, whatever that may be, negative or positive, Mm -hmm. is a choice, how Mm -hmm. do you overcome the negativity when you're going through the battle? Is it a step-by-step or do you just make a decision and you just take us through that? And so I think part of mindset is the messages that we give ourselves and the messages that we've been given. For instance, when I was growing up, my mother was a real optimist. She told me that if I'd been thrown in the River Clyde, a river that runs through Glasgow, I would come out smelling of roses. So I interpreted that as no matter what challenge came, I would be able to overcome it. So I think not everybody is given positive messages when they're young. So I think it's really important. They talk about cognitive behavioral therapy nowadays. And basically what they're trying to do in part is take negative thoughts and change them into positive thoughts. So if you have a negative thought and you think to yourself, uh, this might kill me, I might die, then you add a however and add something positive to it. Uh, So for example, this might kill me, I might die, however many people survive cancer. And you could look at the statistics for the particular type of cancer. However, I am a fighter. I will not be destroyed. However, I will use different treatments. So I think it's a mixture. And I really think it's up to us to be fighters, to struggle, to survive and to work towards it. So even if you believe that you are a negative thinker, you can change that. And I get clients sometimes to write positive messages and stick them on their fridge, (laughs) stick them somewhere that they'll see daily so that they can continually look at this because we can brainwash ourselves. And hypnotherapy, too, can give us very positive messages. It's been given a bad rap by stage hypnotists, but the way I use hypnotherapy, and most therapists would use it, it's like guided visualization. You really feed your brain the messages you want to give it. So you will see yourself in the future. You will manifest the healthy future that you want for yourself you will see the immune system attacking the cancer cells. So I think we can do it on many different levels. And also, I believe that nature has a strong part 
it's very important for me and I'm sure lots of people to get out into nature. And that also helps you to be more positive in your thinking. That's exactly what I did when I was given my cancer diagnosis is I put scripture verse on little post-it notes all over the house, including the mirror, even put it on my husband's forehead so that I would constantly, (laughs) (laughs) whatever I looked at, I would get that positive affirmation rather than dealing with the negativity and the thoughts that were, you know, trying to take over. So essentially that's, that's exactly what, and that was many years ago. So maybe I was ahead Mm -hmm. of my time. (laughs) You are. (laughs) You're a therapist. (laughs) Now tell us how, how did cancer change you as a person? I, you've addressed it a little bit, but I mean, are there, are there uh, things that you could share here? I know one of the things is mindset and looking at the Mm -hmm. positive, but is there anything else that that possibly could be a help to the listeners that may be going through something similar, something to look forward to that this, even though we have to go through that, can change me to make me a better person? I think it makes us kinder. I think if you have a lot of ego, that disappears because suddenly uh, you are just the equal to every other human being on the planet. And with that kindness, I think you want to reach out and you'll find that many cancer people, yourself, myself, lots of people, we want to help. So after we have survived, we want to enjoy life, of course. But I think this helping, this need to help others and um, it's almost another sign of gratitude saying thank you for letting me live. And this is how I'm going to use my life. So for me, I was able to form a group, a hypnotherapy group. And this was about, I think, four years ago. And my idea was to form a group so that the people would come. I would run it for six weeks. We would talk about our cancer. We would support each other, help each other. And I would hypnotize them in a very healing, positive way. And they would record these inductions on their cell phones and take them home. And if they wanted to replay them, they could do so. So the first group I ran, and that was good. I had a break. I advertised for the second group, and these people came along. And four have been steadfast throughout the four years. Now, others have come and gone, but these four people have remained. And they're all people who have had cancer or actively still have cancer. And so we are able to support each other and to look at the way that they all dealt with their cancer. So how does it change us? It makes us want to help people. It makes us want to share with others. I think it makes us uh, better people. We're willing to listen. But it also makes us enjoy life. So Carol, since I've had it, I've done more with my life in the last five years than I probably did with 20 years. I really have made sure that time is of the essence. I know I have an expiration date. We all do. And so rather than think of that, I want to really create the best possible life, not just for myself, but for other people. That is so well said. I really appreciate that. And you know, it's interesting because every single person that I've interviewed, and now we're into, I don't know, I think 350 people or, or it's been at least, they all say the exact same thing. When they have gone through trauma, and even while they're going through it, and especially after, they are motivated and passionate about helping somebody else. It mm-hmm. must be a human nature, a human aspect. 
what do you have anything to say to that? I know you already addressed it a little bit, but anything in your in your counseling sessions or whatever that where you see that that kind of evolves this this desire to help other people. And what's interesting too is I used to think that people in the helping professions were the only people that wanted to help others. But over the years, not just with cancer people, but generally in my practice, I've been astounded. Every kind of occupation, every kind of lifestyle, the majority of people I've met have a need and a desire to help others. And I think this is intensified once you've been through suffering, once you've been through any kind of suffering, whether it be cancer or some other horrible disease. And so it definitely is a human trait, and it's a good human trait. Very well put. I appreciate that. And I think that there are many people that are going to be able to relate to that. Is there anything else that you want to share about any part of your journey or an encouragement uh, to the audience? Yes, I'd like to share one particular piece. It's my visit to John of God. So nowadays, John of God, the man himself, um, has been a he acted misappropriately, misconduct. So he's no longer there in Brazil. But the healing was still going on, although the centre itself with COVID-19 is closed at the moment. But anyway, at this time, John of God was known as an intuitive healer. So I went to Brazil with my husband in 2015. It takes place in a big hall called the Casa. And uh, about 800 to 1,000 people were there. And we're sitting privately watching or patiently watching. And I saw John go up to one woman, she was against the wall, and he moved his hand in a circular fashion around her stomach and her chest, didn't touch her. And I thought he's energetically anesthetizing her. And then he took what looked like a huge pair of uh, forceps called a surgical clamp. He pushed it right down her nose, looked like it went into her throat and turned it. She didn't scream out at all. I was astounded. And I'm sitting there about an hour's gone by and I'm getting very bored. I'm impatient. And I think to myself, huh, Laurie was very melodramatic. There's just nothing supernatural happening here. And the moment I had that thought, these white spheres, bright, bright lights shot at me, lots of them, and shot into my eyes. I felt tremendous pressure in my head and my neck. It was like being pushed down into the ground. I began to get hot and clammy. I knew I was going to pass out. I turned to Heather, I touched her, and I said, Heather, I'm going to faint. And in a flash, she had me in a wheelchair. She ran me past all the crowds. I was in front of John. She said something to him. And within seconds, I was outside recovering in the shade. And it took me a few hours to realize that God had already sent his miracle to me. He'd already sent me help in the form of whether you want to call it angels, but I already had my miracle. And I believe, Carol, that really helped me to this day. And so it's just an interesting part of my journey that I wanted to share. How long ago was that? That was in 2015. So uh, this is like five years, six years now ago. What was it like the day that you received the new diagnosis that you were cancer-free? That was wonderful. I must admit, I have the, well, I'm sure we all think our oncologists are just fantastic people. I won't name him. He's too modest. But (laughs) uh, it was just fantastic when he gave me the all clear and told me that the cancer had gone. And uh, he still checks on me. Every six months I go to see him. 
but it's such a wonderful feeling. You feel elated. You feel on top mm, of the world. I bet. And my gratitude to, uh, I believe in God, obviously. My gratitude to God was intense. I was very grateful. And I'm very happy for all the people out there that are able to overcome the disease because we've been given extra time. I think everybody who is a survivor really appreciates that extra time. That's like having the gratitude on another level. Yes, I think so. So what would you like, if anything, to offer as a service or even as an encouragement to our audience today? And what would you like them to do? I think it's important for us all to remember our family and friends. I think when we get cancer, we tend to be quite self-involved initially, of course. But remember that the people around us have all of this added responsibility. They also, yeah, they also need support. So remembering that too, they have a lot more to do. They have to take us to medical appointments. They have to do the tasks that we used to do. So I think uh, as cancer um, survivors, it's important to know that our family also need help at that time. Uh, I think people should seek support and seek help. Look at what's out there. Educate yourself as to the type of treatments that you want You might want to take unusual treatments, alternative therapies. So make sure that you go to people that are well-trained. Learn as much as you can, as much as possible, I think, about the different treatments, the different options, whether it's going to be diet that you're going to follow, uh, whether it's going to be something like a hyperthermia machine, ozone treatment, or the conventional treatments. Become as educated and make good treatments. decisions at that time and of course for me my faith in God my belief system the support from my family and friends all of these things and a sense of humor use all the tools you Mm -hmm. have but a sense of humor is really an important thing and of course I believe in hypnotherapy and counseling and so that's important too and if anybody wants my book my book is the cancer conundrum it's on Amazon and you can get it at Indigo's, and it's available in Britain as well. I assume that the passion you have now is far greater in your counseling sessions than it was before. Is that correct? Yes, I think that's true. I think I really connect with people on a much deeper level. And as you say, most of my clients uh, didn't know. And to this day, I only tell the clients who have cancer that I've had cancer. I don't actually promote it (laughs) Um, (laughs) that way, which seems strange. But I want to connect with my clients on the level that they are connecting with me at that time. Well, that's essentially that's Mm -hmm. what this show is about because people relate to someone's story that they have gone through something similar and that's what they're looking for. It's all part of the inspiration and the encouragement that we need when we're going through what we're going through yes and it's wonderful so thank you so much louise this is this has been awesome it's been enlightening it's been encouraging you are very clear and concise and i appreciate that and i'm so thankful that you joined us today and never ever give up hope thank you carol thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. 
Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.